I want to have you turn to Acts chapter 17, and I'm going to uh, take a part of the message today uh, because I don't have time to teach the whole thing. I'm going to take just a portion of it, and I'm not even going to read the whole text. I'm going to read a portion of the text this morning and, uh, and share with you some things that God put on my heart related to this message that I think and I hope and I pray will be meaningful to you. And I'd like to begin reading in, uh, in Acts 17, beginning in verse 26. Acts 17, verse 26. From one man he made every nation of men that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he determined the time set for them and the exact places where they should live. God did this so that men would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. Father, we pray that you would take this brief passage of scripture and that you would use it this morning to magnify your glorious and exalted name. And Father, I'm praying that by your spirit, you would do something life-transforming here in my life and the lives of the people that are here. God, I, I don't believe in coincidence. And so the people that are here, you've ordained that they should be here. God, you've prepared good works in advance for us to walk in. Even before the creation of the world, you've prepared these works for us to walk in. And I'm praying this morning that somehow by your grace and your mercy that you'll allow me, God, to communicate what you've put on my heart and what this text teaches. God, may it change us. May it revolutionize our lives. God, may we leave this place different, with a different heart, a different perspective than we've ever had before in what life is about. And so, God, I'm asking for your grace and I'm asking, Holy Spirit, for your power and your capacity to communicate these simple truths in a way that is meaningful to my brothers and sisters this morning. And we ask these things, thanking you in advance for your help. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen. Amen. This, uh, this particular text in Acts 17 is remarkable, to say the least. It's a text that maybe some of you aren't really all that familiar with. It's, in, in, in essence, it's kind of a hidden verse, a hidden gem in this larger work of, uh, of Dr. Luke in the book of Acts. If you recall, we are in Paul's second missionary journey at this point. Uh, he was chased out of Berea. Uh, his life was threatened. Some disciples escorted him to a place called Athens. And uh, after I come back uh, from the mainland, uh, from uh, a pastor's conference and a family vacation, I'm going to take more time on, on Acts 17 and unfold the rest of this text. But for, for this morning, uh, what Paul was talking to and the, the issues he was addressing was, uh, was the philosophers, the philosophers of Athens. And there were two groups. There were the Epicureans and the Stoics. Epicureans, if I can really encapsulate their motto and their life, it was eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. They didn't have much confidence in the gods. They, they thought if, at best they were capricious and that they, if they were involved, it was so distant and far away that it had no impact on them. The only thing that they could think about life that was worthwhile was just pleasure, happiness and pleasure. And then you had another group of people called the Stoics, and we can maybe even extrapolate from their name kind of their motto. Their motto was, life is hard and then you die. And you just have to grin and bear it. And in essence, we've got those two extremes of, of, of philosophies that are taking place in this great city of Athens. And so you've got those, those two extremes that in many ways represent the philosophies of people today. It's either, man, grab everything you can get and go for the gusto, or you've got people that are just kind of gritting life out and living for the weekends. That's all they're doing. 
And, and really, to a large degree, that describes life. And Paul comes in with a message that is so profoundly different that it, it really transforms the hearts of some of the people that listen to this message. But one of the pivotal centerpieces of this message deals with this text in Acts 17, 26, and 27. And I believe because these same philosophies, though we may not have developed them or thought about them as Aristotle and Plato might have, nonetheless, we've developed to some degree some philosophy of life. We're Christians. Most of us here, I believe, are Christians. There may be some that are not. And I want to give you an opportunity at the end of the service to, to, to rectify that, to become a believer if you would like to be a believer and a follower of Jesus. But most of us, even as believers, whether we know it or not, have adopted to some degree either an Epicurean philosophy or a Stoic philosophy. Either the Epicurean, which is just, you know, try to make the best of life and be happy and enjoy everything you can and just make your way through it. And then you've got the Stoics who are just disciplined and trying so hard to get everything right. And, and you know, they're just, uh, you know, grinning and bearing it. And, and most of us fall in one of those two camps, except for the fact that neither one of those are God's camps. Neither one of those are God's design for you. And so Paul lays out God's plan for you. And I hope by God's grace somehow, because I'm so weak, I, I pray that somehow I'll be able to communicate it to you in a tangible, meaningful, simple way so that you can take it from the service and have it become your philosophy for life. Not man's philosophy, but God's pattern and plan for an abundant, fulfilling life. And so in Acts 17, he says in this verse 26, we're just going to kind of take it apart piece by piece, is that from one man, he made every nation of men. And I'll talk about this more when I, when I have a chance to talk about this entire text of, of Acts 17. But basically, he was refuting some of the doctrines that both the Epicureans and the Stoics held, is that, that man didn't come from a god, but many gods, a plethora of gods. And what he was saying is that Every man, every woman came from one man and one woman, from Adam and Eve. And then if you fast forward to Noah, from Noah and his family came all the nations of the earth. And he goes on to say that not only were they made from one man, every nation became, uh, uh, came from one man, he said that they should inhabit the whole earth. And that was God's plan from the beginning, is that we should spread across the face of the earth, populating the earth to his glory. Now, this is the thing that's amazing. And he determined, God determined, the time set for them. What that means is that God actually preordained that God, before time began, before the creation of the world, knew when these various people groups, when these various nations that he distributed across the face of the earth, he knew when they would live. He knew when a kingdom would rise and he knew when a kingdom would fall. He knew when a, when a, a great leader would come to power and when he would be removed from power. He knew when there would be wars. He knew when there would be catastrophes. He knew the times because he has set the times. God is amazing what he's done. And a lot of times, especially for the Epicureans and Stoics, they had kind of a, a very fatalistic view of life because they felt that there was no control over anything. And when you believe that you just kind of happened and you're, you know, if you believe in the Big Bang, that, uh, that you're just kind of just appeared and, and there's no plan, there's no rhyme, there's no reason, then there's certainly no explanation for why you're here either or why God designed you for a particular millennia, a particular century, a particular age, and I would even say a particular day of your birth. None of that makes any sense unless God is in charge and God is sovereign. 
And what Paul is saying in, in, uh, in contrast to the Epicureans and the Stoics is that God is sovereign and God does have a plan. And God even sets the times and it means a specific time, kairos. It means a, an appointed time. It doesn't mean just like an age. It means an appointed time for these people, for these nations to rise and fall. An appointed time for God's work across the face of the earth. But he goes on and says it's not just the times that he sets, but he says he sets the exact places where they should live. This is amazing. God has actually preordained the places and the groupings of nations across the face of the planet. He did it with the people of Israel. Remember, uh, after they came into the promised land, God mapped it out for Joshua. And he said, this is where the different tribes are to be. And he gave them, uh, you know, uh, maps, terrain. And he, and he told them, to this river, to that mountain, to the sea, wherever it was, there were particular uh, dimensions of each tribe's territory. And he said, you are confined to this territory. This is to be your territory forever. And so God preordained these particular territories for the tribes of Israel. He also preordained, according to scripture, not just the tribes of Israel, but from every nation, from every man, from every people group, places where they should live. And so China, preordained by God. Russia, preordained by God. The, the various uh, uh, countries in, in Europe, preordained by God. Kauai, preordained by God. The United States, preordained by God. God knew these things would happen. God set the time, and he actually appointed the exact places where they should live. I mean, this is not like the, you know, sometimes have you ever been thinking about making a move, and you're just thinking, I got to get away. I got to move away. I got to go somewhere else. I need a new life. Or maybe you want to buy a house, and you're not sure which house to buy. And you've got three rentals that are available and you've, and you've been, uh, uh, you know, you've applied to all three and all three say, you're the one we want. And you're sitting there thinking, which one do I go to? And a lot of times we just get a list of pros and cons out or we get a dartboard and we just, we don't even know where to move to. You know, we get a map of the United States and we just, you know, throw the dart backwards and we just say, okay, that's where it is. But I want to tell you something that that's an Epicurean and a Stoic philosophy because that's how they lived. Everything was just a roll of the dice. There was no rhyme or reason or meaning to life. It was a tough life. And the best you could get out of it was simply to, to live for the weekends and have some pleasure along the way. But God is saying by his Holy Spirit that he has ordained the exact times that a nation, that a people group, that a family, and that individuals should live in. And that he has also ordained the exact places where we should live. Now, I don't know about you, but I get really excited about this. And this text of scripture has changed my life. I was talking to a couple uh, that's visiting. And they were saying that, that when, I was, uh, when they were here in October of last year, I was talking about divine appointments. And, uh, and, and this text fits exactly in with this whole concept of, of how God began to really speak to me about divine appointments. Because you see, if I think that my life is simply just a, a, a convoluted uh, web of, of coincidences because there is no ordaining God, there's no sovereign God, then the time I'm born in, is, I could have been born a hundred years ago, a thousand years ago, a thousand years in the future, what difference would it make? I could have lived here or on the mainland or in Europe or in Africa or wherever, what difference does it make? Until I realize what the scripture says in this very powerful, simple text is that God has ordained the exact time 
and the exact places where I should live. That gives me, that changes my whole life. It just changed my whole perspective. And I'm praying this morning it will change yours as well. What does this mean? It means that, that the place that I'm living here on Kauai, this island, was preordained by God. You guys know the story. I don't want to tell the story again. But it was God that brought us here and, and kind of kicking and screaming a little bit along the way. And God brought us here and he placed us here for his divine and sovereign and eternal purpose. He was the one that set the date for my birth and the place that I would live and the wife that I would marry and the children that I would have. And I would go so far as to say that he has surrounded me with the exact neighbors he wanted me to be around to influence for the kingdom of God. I believe that he has placed you in your neighborhood for his glory and for his kingdom and for his praise and for his pleasure. Where you live and the time you live in is not a coincidence if you're a believer in Jesus Christ. In the past, we thought like that. That's how the philosophies of the world, that's what they think. But now our eyes have been opened and we have a greater understanding and a knowledge of Almighty God and how he works because he is a sovereign God. He is a God that appoints a time and a place for every man and every woman. And you have been appointed for this divine time. And you have been appointed to this place or wherever it is that you live. And I believe you have been appointed to your job and the, the peers that you work with and your associates. I believe that the people that are in your circle of influence have been appointed by God. I believe that God has strategically placed you there in a place that no other person in human history ever has been placed or ever will be placed. Your positioning in the kingdom of God is absolutely unique unlike any other positioning in the history of the world because God is inviting you to participate in his plan. So God has appointed the exact time that you should live in and he's appointed the exact place that you should live. Now I know a lot of you are thinking, gosh, I just, I just, I don't know how I decided where I should live. I just like this place. Yeah, you did. That was a part of his work. How God manages to maintain his sovereignty and yet still give us free will and still in the end accomplish his purpose is really beyond me. I can't wrap my mind around it. I try only because it, it kind of promotes praise in me because I love to praise the Lord and I love to worship him. But those kind of, of musings cause me to, to not be discouraged but cause me to realize the magnificence of our God that he is able to take the free will that he's given us and allow us to exercise it thoroughly and completely as fully as we want to and then combine it with his sovereign and eternal purposes and as we submit ourselves to him, his desires become our desires. He begins to direct us by his spirit and suddenly we find ourselves in a flow that we've never been in before. It's a river of divine appointments. It's a lifestyle of excitement and abundance and pleasure because we're a part of the work of God. You know, for, for many years of my life, I, um, I was kind of swirling in an eddy on the side of this river of divine appointments, even as a Christian. I was just kind of swirling around, just trying to figure out what I was supposed to be doing, just trying to get along, trying to be happy, trying to make things work in my life. You know, just figuring God was kind of an, a great addition to my life and that really life was about either that Epicurean philosophy of, you know, just live it up or, you know, grin and bear it. And I was stuck in that eddy. And maybe some of you, even as Christians, are stuck there. I was stuck there as a Christian. I didn't understand this, this divine river of divine appointments and this understanding of a time and a place that God has appointed. 
But once I began to understand it, I began to kind of put my toes out in this river of divine living. It's not, it's not some special higher knowledge. It's just what the scripture teaches. It's just that I wasn't walking in it. I had been convinced and deluded by false philosophy that somehow the Christian life was just, God was kind of an addition to help me get through with my Epicurean or Stoic beliefs. That God was just there to help me grin and bear it or God was there to help me be, experience more pleasure. When in reality, neither one are fully true. And it was a lie. And so I began to dip my toe in this, in this river of divine appointments, believing that God had set an exact time for me and had set an exact place for me because my mind began to muse on that and I began to realize that if God has set an exact time and an exact place for me to live, that means that there's more specifics that are going on in my life that I was ignoring and not recognizing. And so I began to realize, my eyes began to open and I began to pray in the mornings, God, you have appointed me to this time. You have appointed me to this place. And there's a reason that he's appointed me. The question is, why? What is the reason? Which takes us to verse 27. Look at it with me. God determined the times and exact places where they should live. God did this so that men would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. This is the most profound part of this teaching for me. It's profound that God has set a time and a place for us, but it's even more profound the reason why God has done it. You know how the, the age-old question is that why am I here? You know, it's, it's one of the great philosophical questions of, of the ages is why do I exist? What's my purpose? And God tells us in this text exactly what the answer is. He tells us, I have appointed you for a time and a place. And we're thinking, okay, what is it? Just give us, you know, read it down for me. Give me the printout and I'll take care of it, right? That's what we want. I just want God to tell me what it is so I can get busy doing it. And God says, no, that's not why I'm giving it to you. I'm giving you the knowledge and God is giving it to you today if you haven't had this already. God is giving you knowledge today that he has appointed an exact time for you to live and he appointed the exact place that you should live. And he did it that you might seek him. Why would we seek him? Well, to find out the answer, of course. Why are you here? Why did he appoint you to this time and to this place and not somewhere else or another, another age, another millennia? Why did he do it now? Why are you here? What is his purpose for your life? You see, the thing is that God makes it clear in his word. He's got a purpose for you. And you are critical and vital to his eternal work that he's doing in the world. You're, you know, this is another lie of the enemy. I, as an early Christian, young Christian, I felt like I was just a cog in this massive work of God and whether I was turning and doing my job or not didn't make any difference because life would spin away and spin on without me. That's a lie from the enemy. Can God accomplish his purpose in our disobedience? Yes, he can. Can God use other people when we refuse? Yes, he will and can. But his purpose is that you in the little, see, I'm just a little guy and most of us are little guys, little, little women, little men, we're never going to be great in the eyes of the world, but we have a part that's vital to the overall work of God, and he has placed you specifically time and space for a reason. And, and the, the text begs the question, why? What is it that he has created you for? You know, the Bible tells us in Ephesians 2.10 that he has, a, he has created us and appointed us 
to do good works that he has prepared in advance before the creation of the world that you should walk in. So God has specific partnership plans for you in this work of God. But you can see if you're an Epicurean in your philosophy and it's just kind of eat, drink, and be merry, you know, we're, we're just not realizing that we have a specific time and place that God has appointed. Or if we're Stoics and we're just kind of gritting through life and just making it, you know, and, and go to our grave and it's like, you know, at least I made it. I didn't get divorced. You know, I raised my kids. I, I, I kept my job. You know, I was a faithful person. But God is saying, do you want to live in the, in the eddy when there's this magnificent river of abundant living that God wants us to experience? And when I say abundant living, I'm not talking about pleasure or wealth or anything of that nature. I'm talking about being a part of the most magnificent plan that has ever been known to mankind, and that's to be a part of the work of God. And so God, in his sovereign design, knowing you, knowing all of human history, knowing all of the nations throughout the kingdoms of the world, knowing all the powers that would rise and all the powers that would fall. He knows the end. He knows the present. He knows the future. He knows all of it. And in the midst of that, he appointed you specifically and me for this exact time and exact place because we are a puzzle piece in the large work of God that's critical to the overall ministry and plans that God has for eternity. You count. Your life matters. You standing for Christ and living fully for him is vital. There are no people that are in the kingdom of God that can just sit around and do nothing or, or just skate or just figure it doesn't matter because other people will carry the ball. We can't do that because the place that God has appointed you and the time he's appointed you for is unique. No one else can get there. No one else can be in the exact circle of influence that you're in. I can't get there. No one else in this church can get there. No other man, no other woman on the face of the planet can get there. Only you can be there because God has appointed you for this time and place. The exact places where we should live. But he tells us the reason that he does this is so that we might seek him. You know, the Bible tells us that that the Lord has called us to seek him. In fact, in Isaiah 55, 6, it says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the evil man his thoughts. Why? Because we've got higher, larger, more important purposes to give our life to than wickedness and evil. Let him turn to the Lord and God will have mercy on him and to our God for he will freely pardon. So God is inviting us to seek him. He's saying life isn't just a roll of the dice. Life isn't just a, gee, you can marry this person or that person or whoever. It's not, you know, that's why we have so many divorces today, I believe. That's part of the reason, besides just that we're not walking with the Lord. I think one of the reasons that we, we have throwaway marriages is because we just think, well, whatever, you know, I shouldn't have married her. You know, I had three other choices and I, and I picked the wrong one. And so we, we have no sense of the, of the preciseness or the sovereignty of God in our own free will. We just think it's our free will. And so I made a bad choice. So I'll just divorce her or I'll just divorce him. And we move on. And then we find somebody else and we just, we're thinking about what are we? We're Stoics and Epicureans in how we make our decisions. But God says, because there is an exact time and there is an exact place, he says, I want you to seek me. Why? So we can find out what it is. If there is an exact place and an exact time for you to live, that means that there's, an, there's a plan there, there is a sovereign work of God behind it and, and it should in our hearts beg the question, what is it? 
Isn't that kind of rising in your hearts just a little bit? Well, wow, it sounds exciting, but what, what am I supposed to do? What part do I have to play in this? And that's where God says he did this so that you would seek him. So God is, has placed all these things in order so that we would not, you know, get the readout from God on what we were supposed to do with the rest of our life, but so that we would seek him. You know, the truth is, is that without God's sovereign design and without him calling, if, if, I tell you, if he gave me the whole list of everything I was supposed to do, I, I guarantee I love the Lord, but I wouldn't seek him nearly as diligently as I do when I have no clue what's coming next. And I believe that God keeps us ignorant for our saving. I believe God keeps us ignorant for our deliverance. I believe God keeps us ignorant and in state of desperation because he knows that we are so foolish and so wayward that without that ignorance that we would move on right past him and right on without him. That's the truth. And it's brought me to a point where I tell you my favorite times in life is when I don't know what to do and life is twisting in the wind and I'm desperate for God. But why? Because my relationship with God has never been more full or richer or deeper or more profound or more fulfilling than when I don't know what to do. But I pray that prayer. It's my favorite prayer in the whole Bible, 2 Chronicles 20, 12, Jehoshaphat. Lord, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. That's what God is looking for. In the midst of this plan that God has for your life, and it is strategic and you are important, in the midst of that, a higher objective is relationship with him. So he leaves a lot of information out and he wants you to report every morning and get your marching orders. Every morning he calls and he says, I want you to come in for the meeting this morning. I want to share with you my heart. I want you to know me and my ways. And he opens up his, his entire life to us. As much as we need to know right now to be able to walk with him, he reveals it to us in his word. And he says, and walk with me. Live by the Spirit. Be filled by the Spirit. Be led by the Spirit. Keep in step. That means every step. I mean, I'm not talking about, okay, Lord, should I step today or not? No, I'm not talking about that. But I'm just saying that our ways are vital and it changes everything. You know what this means? When I have conversations with people on the phone, I'm not just thinking, oh, another conversation. I'm thinking, wow, a divine appointment. Amen. And I'm thinking highly of this person on the other end of the phone, because, not because of them, but because of the sovereignty of God in allowing this conversation. Do you realize what it, what it took to have this conversation take place? Not to mention the fact that I had to be in an, in an era where there was phone service you know, that we could talk on the phone and that this person was born in the same time and in the exact place, relatively speaking, on the island or in, in, in phone's reach and that we are able to fellowship and talk about the things of the Lord, it's a divine appointment. It changes my perspective. When I go uh, on the island and I run into people, I'm not thinking, oh, what a coincidence. I'm thinking, this is a divine appointment of God. Why? Because God has appointed the exact time that I should live in and the exact places for these exact and precise and divine and sovereign and exalted, wonderful, God-filled, spirit-filled appointments. And it changes life. And God invites us. He says, you want to walk in that? I've been, I lived way too long in the eddies on the side of this great river of the spirit of God and the work of God. And I would never in a million years go back to that dull, boring, lifeless experience. I was walking with God, I was reading the word, I was praying, but I wasn't experiencing the abundant life because I didn't understand that God had an exact time and an exact place and that he wanted me to call out to him, to seek him and find him, though he's not far from any of us. 
The next word that he uses here in this text is interesting in, um, in the latter part of verse 27. He says that not only would we would seek him, but perhaps reach out for him. It, this word means to grope as a blind man. How many of you felt like you've been groping through life at times? Okay, four of you along with me. And the rest of you, I don't know. You've got some inside track we don't know about. Uh, pray for us afterwards. But the rest of us are sometimes find ourselves groping. I've spent so many times in my life groping, thinking something was wrong with me, that I didn't have the inside information, that I didn't know the will of God right away, that I wasn't able to see what God's purpose was. And all the while, God was saying, grope away, Bob, grope away, because he wanted me to come to him. I was groping for answers, and he wanted me to grope for him. How many of you have been groping for answers but aren't groping for God? You're not looking for him. You just want him to download the information for you so you can move on and live your Epicurean and Stoic life. And God says, I will not let you live that way. I will not leave you that way. And so he lets things happen in our lives and, and not just with individuals but with nations and peoples and, and groupings of nations. And he lets wars happen and catastrophes and famines and droughts. He lets all kinds of things happen. I'm not saying he does them, but we do have evidence in the Old Testament that he has caused these things to happen. Why? Because he hates mankind. No. It's because he loves mankind so much that he's willing to allow them to suffer a small degree so that they can be saved from a lifetime and eternity of eternal suffering. And so God puts the pressure on us. And we're thinking, why is life falling apart? Have you ever felt that way? Those are the moments of groping and you're thinking, what have I done? What did I ever do? Where did I miss the, the work of God? How is it that God is treating me this way? Why has he allowed this to happen? Health, finances, your children, your marriage, your job, and all these things unravel. And we're thinking, what did we do wrong? Why? Because we had kind of a, a stoic belief that, you know, if we didn't get everything just right, because that's how the stoics felt about their gods, if they didn't get everything right according to what the gods wanted, they'd be punished. It was a very... Uh, gross, twisted, distorted view of what God is really like. They misunderstood that God sometimes allows these things to happen in our life because we won't grope for him otherwise. I don't like groping. I really don't. I don't like that feeling of being completely lost in a, in a, in a, in a situation that I have no idea what to do and I'm just feeling along the spiritual walls of the, of the work of God's kingdom and I, and I just, I feel blind, I feel ignorant, I feel lost. And you know, as a, as a pastor in the first few years of ministry, I, I was afraid to admit that. And now I tell you, it's my favorite uh, thing to admit to you is I don't know what I'm doing. And I know people sometimes come up after me and say, you don't need to say that because that really, that discourages people, makes them feel like you really don't know what you're doing. And I said, well, you must not have understood me because that's what I meant. I really don't know what I'm doing. I'm groping along with everyone else. I'm seeking after God. But see, I'm not just coming. There's, there's a difference between not knowing what to do and simply falling down and giving up or not knowing what to do and simply getting out a list of, uh, of phone numbers of people I can call who can tell me what to do. There's a big difference between that, not knowing what to do and calling out to God. That's a huge difference. And God has allowed a time and a place for us. And he's telling us in this text, he's appointed us for this for a very specific reason, so that we would call out to him and find out what it is. And I want to ask you, do you know? Do you know why you're here on this island? Even you visitors, you, you came here for R&R &R and pleasure. But do you really know why you're here on this island? 
I believe that God very well may have appointments for you on this island to declare the praises of God Almighty to this island. We need the people that visit this island to share the Lord and to be good witnesses. Those of you that live here, do you really know why you're here? I'll tell you something. The way I know whether I know God's will for my life or even if you can know for God's will for your life is that if we find ourselves living for pleasure and living for the next hobby or the next activity or the next vacation, I can tell you that you don't know the answer to the time and place in which God has placed you. If you are living for money, if the, the, the most exciting thing in your life is the, new, the next purchase or the next set of clothes or the hairdo or whatever it is, then you have not discovered the secret that God wants to reveal to you about the time and the place that you've been born and the reason for it. If you don't like your job and you're just gritting it out, then you have not yet found the purpose for your life. I can tell you what the overall purpose is. It's, it's, uh, it's Matthew 28, 19, and 20, that you would make disciples of all nations, that you would be a witness, that you would be a testimony, that you would be a light, and that you would communicate what God has done in your life. But the specifics of that, this is where even Christians get waylaid. They end up spinning over in this eddy, just to the side of this great river of joy and abundance, because they think that they just have to kind of get along. And, and they're just doing the best they can. And so they pleasure themselves with hobbies and activities and new toys. And whether you're a young guy or an old guy, everybody's got toys. And, and uh, with, with new shopping, with new ideas, with a new house, with a new place to move, with, you know, I've got to move. I need, a new, I need a whole new environment. I need new friends. I need to start dancing. I need to start, you know, I need to take some classes at KCC. You know, we're always looking for something. Why? Because we have not yet found the purpose this exact timing and exact location. Why? Because we have not sought God. I'm not talking about throwing up, I call them puffball prayers, you know. They're just, they're these little poof, you know, it's over. It's this little prayer, oh God, show me what you want. I don't, I don't get that from this text at all, especially when he uses this word in the Greek that means groping like a blind man. Groping like a blind man. The guy does not quit. The guy is seeking but he can't see what to do, but he doesn't stop seeking. He gropes. He's groping. I want to challenge you. I, I, um, you can kind of tell I'm a little inspired about this message. But I want to challenge you to fast and pray and find out why you're here. I'd encourage you to do it as a family. I'd encourage you to do it as individuals. And I'd encourage you to do it until you know why you're here. And I can guarantee you it's not, it's not just to get along. I can guarantee you it's not to grin and bear it and, and just make it through life. I can guarantee you it's not just for pleasure. You are unique and you have a very important role in this work of God. You must find out what it is. And God has withheld that information to a very slight degree to prompt in us a hunger for him and a relationship with him. And he's inviting you. He's saying, I, he tells us right here, this is why I've done it. This is why I appointed the exact time and the exact places. And this is why he put it in the text of the Bible by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He put it there so that you would know that you are not an accident, that you are not a coincidence, 
that who you are married to is not just, you know, anybody. That the kids that you have, you know, are the ones that God is divinely and sovereign. And you're thinking, why did he give me these ones? Well, he's got a reason. Why did he put you in this job? And why did he give you this boss? And the list goes on and on and on and on. Can you see what I'm talking about? And so we swirl over here. We just swirl, confused, trying to hang on. And all the while, God is saying, grope for me. At least ask me. At least come to me. And, you know, this puts a whole new light on the verses that say that we are to be a people praying without ceasing. You know, I'm learning. I, I feel like a novice. I, I feel like a, a guy that just, uh, you know, is learning how to run the rapids of this divine river. But I'm learning. And along the way, what I'm learning is, is that I can get involved in this river as deeply and as abundantly and as joyfully and as wonderfully as I want to be. Or I can live in the eddies on the side. It's really up to me. God gives me that, that choice in my free will. But he's constantly inviting me in and he said, Bob, come on in. Come deeper. Come and experience what it's like to, to experience the thrill of being a part of this great work. And I'm getting a little older. I'm, I'm not done. Uh, I got a ways to go here. But I'm realizing the window is shortening here. And, I, and, I, and I've been telling my wife and I've been praying to God and even at the beginning of this year, I just told the Lord, Lord, I don't want to, I don't have time to hold back. I don't have time to be timid. I don't have time uh, left to, uh, to, to, you know, to be cautious. There is no time. I want every part of what God wants for me. And as I'm experiencing it, my life is opening up and my joy is being fuller. It's fuller than it's ever been. And, I, and I, the more I experience it, the more I want, I, I'm like, want to tell everybody I can get around, you know? that this is the life that God has called us to. And it's not about the experience. It's about God. It's about relationship with him. It's about his pleasure. It's about his glory. It's about advancing his cause. But you are a part of it. And he's inviting us in this text to find out why. If you don't know why you're here, and if you don't know why you weren't born a thousand years ago or a thousand years from now, if you don't know why you have the neighbors you have and if you don't know why you have the boss you have or the employees you have or work in the company you do or have the wife you have or any of those questions, I would invite you to do what God says. I wish I could tell you the answer. I wish I could skip verse 27 and simply tell you what your purpose is. But that would undermine the purpose of God because God ultimately, first and foremost, is interested in relationship with you. That's why the Bible tells us that he knows us intimately. He cares about every little teeny tiny aspect of our lives. It's the Epicureans were wrong. It's not about pleasure. And the Stoics were wrong. They had it all wrong about God being capricious and angry and vindictive. Both of these philosophies that, the truth be told, affect especially the United States, but, but the philosophies of men, men and women all over the face of this planet. And they are stuck without Christ, swirling, 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 not able to make sense of why life turns out like it does. So God has never promised us anywhere in the world a trouble-free life. In fact, troubles are a gift. Troubles are our friend. That really sounds hokey. But they are. Hardship, challenge, difficulty, or an altar call from God to greater intimacy than we've ever known before. And he's calling you. He's saying, seek me. And if you don't find me right away, then grope. 
And if you don't find me when you're groping, then fall down on your face and cry out until I answer. And one thing I can tell you is that God will answer. And he will show you, not everything, but he will give you light for today. And then you get up in the next morning and then you seek for him. And if you don't find him right away, then grope. And if you don't find him when you grope, then fall back down on your face and cry out and say, I cannot go on with this day until I know why you have appointed me to this exact time and this exact place. Your partnership in this work is important. No one can be left behind. No one can be overlooked. Everyone's partnership is vital. That's what the Bible tells us in, in the chapters in Corinthians on the body of Christ. There is no part that's unimportant. Every one of you are needed on Kauai. Every one of you are needed where you live. Every one of you are needed in your neighborhoods. The world is swirling, lost in Epicurean and Stoic philosophy, not even being able to identify it as that, but for pleasure or just gritting it out. And God has given us an opportunity to live in this river of life. And he's inviting us to come in by telling us that he's appointed the exact time and the exact places for you to live. And now we need to find out why. Father, we thank you for this time in your word. And God, I pray that uh, this brief presentation of this text will have its effect that you desire, Lord. God, I cry out with all of my friends here. First of all, thank you for your design. God, thank you for answering that age-old question of does it really matter are we just kind of a, an accident, a, a cosmic disruption that turned into something grand? And your answer is no. You made all the nations from one man and you appointed the exact time and places where they should live that we might seek you, that we might grope for you, that we might find you. And God, thank you that the text goes on to say that he's not far from any of us. He's right here as close as a prayer, as close as fellowship, as close as just asking. And so God, I'm praying that you would send us out this week and that you would help us learn how to, to move out of the eddies, the, the swirling of the confusion of life and step into the grand river of your kingdom and be a part of your work, recognizing that we can't waste any time. We can't continue in sin. We can't continue in carnality or in, in spiritual lethargy if we want to live the abundant life. And so God, stir up our hearts by your spirit and I pray that you would work in a wonderful way. And I just want to ask if anyone here, uh, while you're still uh, praying, if anyone here has never received Christ and basically what I'm talking about is, is reestablishing a, a relationship with God. The Bible says that we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and that sin which we've all committed, the Bible says, we're all guilty of not just one sin, but, but thousands, millions of sins, violations against our own conscience and against God Almighty. He says that's a barrier, and as long as that barrier is there, it can't be, there can be no fellowship until we are reconciled. And God says for us to be reconciled, we must simply come to him and ask for forgiveness, just like we would with a person or a friend that we've wronged. And he says he wants us to repent, which means that we'll make a, a, a commitment in Jesus' name that we don't want to live that way anymore. And that we want him to reestablish a relationship with us. That we want to be right with him. We don't want any barrier between us and him anymore. And that we want him to lead our life. That we can understand why we're here at exact time and in an exact place.
If you've never done that, if you've never really reconciled with God that way, if you've never asked his forgiveness and repented of your sin and you want to today, I want you to raise your hand. Just raise it up right where you are. Is there anyone here today that you would like to ask Christ to come into your life to be your savior, to forgive all of your sins? Is there anyone here? I don't see any hands. So if you're raising it, I can't see it. Is there one? Okay, I see your hand. Okay, great. The, the lady about halfway back. Thank you. Is there anyone else? Anyone else? You want to receive Christ as your Savior? I want us to pray. Would we all pray this prayer? We're going to pray it with this, with this young lady here. Dear Lord Jesus, I thank you for your work in my life. Thank you for appointing an exact time and place where I should live. Thank you for appointing your son to die on the cross and to pay the penalty for my sin. I confess my sin to you this morning and I ask that you would forgive me of my sin and I pray that you would come into my heart and that you would remove all the barriers so that we can have a friendship again. Adopt me into your family and lead me in my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord. Wonderful. It's exciting.